Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain was this month's episode of our Woman in Supply Chain series, and I was joined by a great friend, amazing supply chain professional, and circular economy enthusiast, Shneha Kumari. It was a fabulous episode, so I hope you enjoyed it, but as always, if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 270. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O.com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We are fully into June now and summer. I don't know about you guys, but I am taking some time off in July, and I'm going to be beachbound, and I can't wait for that. Um, and would also love to hear where you guys are vacationing this summer. So today I'm joined by a man who's a best-selling author, entrepreneur, innovator, thought leader, and CEO all rolled into one. Can you guess who it is? Well, I'll reveal it after our poll of the week. So we asked you, how old were you when you identified your professional passion? Well, we had over 700 of you vote on this one. We have a tie. 29 At 29%, we've got post-grad in my 20s, and we've got took until my 30s. At 28%, still searching for it. And 15% of you said during university. Some of the comments that we got, Kathleen says, none of the above. I was 16. Wow. That's amazing. Kate said early, helping my father run his business and managing export sales agents. Kate, I am totally with you because as I always say, I talked about logistics and supply chain at the dinner table since I can remember. And so I always say that it's in my blood. So I definitely found my calling very, very early. 
Yubadula says, I was 15 when I saw what a few lines of code could do. It was love at first sight. Tempest definitely had to experience a few different industries before I found my niche. James said, in the Marine Corps, and I have heard that before. Rhonda, I think with time, passions develop and change as we age. Different stages in life can play a huge role in our dreams and perspectives. I love that. Manuel, I read in a fortune cookie. Always be in the lookout since your prime may come at any stage in your life. So I think he kind of agrees with Wanda as well. And so thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on our poll of the week. Our poll of the week is getting so popular. People are coming to us if we don't post it by a certain time on a Wednesday morning. So that's right. If you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, you want to be part of the conversation, check out the Let's Talk Supply Chain poll every single Wednesday morning. So now back to today's podcast and which multi-talented man is joining me today? Well, it's Klaus Imping. With an education in business administration, Klaus worked for almost a decade in various organizational IT and process re-engineering roles before making the move to consulting, where he w- he has worked with numerous clients and projects for almost three decades. As an author, entrepreneur, and the CEO of MSC Point Out Group, Klaus operates in the magic triangle of information technology, process, and strategy with a focus on supply chain management in a global context. Today, Klaus joins me to chat all about his impressive career so far, his new book, his passion for making business process digitalization effective, and why tribal workflows are undermining digital transformation. Before we dive in, let's find out a little bit more about Klaus. Born in 1966 with a universal education in business administration, Klaus worked almost a decade in various roles in industry before switching over to the consulting side. In consulting, he has been working with numerous clients and projects for almost three decades. He has been running the MSC Point Out Group as CEO since 2020, which was recently recognized as Cool Vendor in Supply Chain Technology 2022 by Gartner. Klaus started recently to process his out-the-box viewpoint about business process digitalization and pitfalls for digital adoption in a book called Tribal F-Ups Digital. So welcome to the show, Klaus. Thank you so much, Sarah, for, for having me here. It's really a fantastic opportunity to have a chat with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. I mean, I'm really happy to have you here. We usually focus on wider businesses. So it's really nice to put the spotlight on a person for a change, particularly one as multifaceted and talented as you. There's so much to talk about. So we're just going to dive right in. So tell us about your background. I mean, you've been working in business for what, 35 years. So take us back to where it all started and maybe give us an overview of your journey to where you are now. Yeah, thanks, uh, Sarah, for the, for the question. It's not yet 35 years. My gray hair may raise this impression. It's indeed more than 30, but not yet 35. My educational background is business administration. Um, I uh, developed a strong passion for kind of system theory and information technology. And um, I started my career in, in industry where I worked uh, almost, uh, almost for, for a decade. I was quite lucky um, because I was really exposed to a very interesting environment. Um, the products were industrial gears and the culture of that corporation, it was a billion-ish corporation, 
revenue-wise was very engineered to order, yet the business was everything between engineered to order to make to stock. So from a supply chain perspective, really a broad flavor of everything and anything. And with the German reunification in the early 90s, I got the opportunity to take over the IT and organization department in 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 a branch that this corporation acquired in eastern Germany. And technically, Eastern Germany at that point in time, right after the reunification, was really technically in the 60s. Um, They were still working with with punched card technique and a lot of batch processing. And and an MRP, if, if, if you want to call this MRP at all, was just on a weekly cycle. But... Process-wise, they were fantastically organized. It was really excellent. It was brilliant. As an example, they were able to keep the integrity of a numbering system across seven distributed sites without wow. online commu- without online connection, without online communication, without emails. It was just kind of manually organized and orchestrated. And this was the first time that I got the idea that the strength and resilience of processes is a result of three factors. And the technical enablement is only one of those factors, but the process design and last but not least, the process adherence are are equally important. And then from there, I stepped into consulting um, and my domain, my home turf turf was, was set in these early days of my career optimizing complex business processes. That's basically what I detected as my as my home turf, as my domain, and what's better for this than supply chain? Right, exactly. I mean, there's so many complex processes that we're all still trying to solve for today, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, supply chain is is really complex. Supply chain is kind of cross-functional by nature. It's complex. It's a complex system by nature that you have to balance out. So this is exactly what I love. I love it, and I can't wait to dive more into that. But tell us about how your dad fits into that and really helped to shape your mindset and approach to your own career. I mean, similar to my own story, I know your father was also impacted by bankruptcy, and certainly for myself, it really lit a fire under me, um, Hmm. forced me to get creative and really immerse myself in this idea of making things happen. So talk us through your experience. Yeah. Well, that shaped me already long before I, I, I studied and gained my first uh, work experience, of course. My dad was working in the textile industry in, in Germany, one of those labor-intensive businesses that got massively disrupted in the 70s and in right. the 80s in all of the high-cost ca- high countries like Germany is and was one. Mm-hmm. So um, my dad was, was kind of mid-management level. Um, not high enough to really take influence um, and for many reasons limited to kind of leave the sinking uh, the sinking ship and the management missed to make the turn um, early enough. Um, so my dad was kind of a victim of these circumstances and there were two learnings that really and this 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 kind of uh, coined me this 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 uh, um, shaped me really very very intensively seeing him suffering for a couple of years in this situation or for many years. Um, Two learnings that I concluded um, and that influenced me, um, I think, very deeply until today. Number one is take influence. 
Raise hand, shout if you see something's going wrong. And number two, you need to be good enough to really remain independent and to have the freedom to do this independent from the position that you're at. Yeah, um, to really articulate, build and articulate your own opinion and to raise hand and, and, and to raise voice. Um, take some courage and, and you need to have this, this kind of independence. Despite all the trouble at that time, my, my, my parents uh, uh, made it possible for me to go my way and to go my career. And I'm very, very grateful for that. But um, this was not only an experience. Um, it became a kind of intrinsic motivation and uh, it really coined me uh, and my mindset very, very strongly. I'm glad that we talked about this and that you share this with us. I mean, I think that second learning, too, is around taking control of your destiny. Whether you're working within a company um, where you may or may not have a voice, you can also do things on the side through education and networking and things like that to really take control of your destiny. And so I think that's a really good point um, around even if you are, are working for a company and, you know, because Anything can really happen. Yeah, I think this is this is really a kind of mindset switch. Whether you have the tendency to de to declare yourself a victim of circumstances, or whether you take action and take yeah. influence. Uh, and um, yeah. um, um, I, I decided for for the right way. You 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 always find enough reasons to declare yourself a victim of circumstances. That's easy. The hard way is to raise hand and to take influence and to to bring things into the right direction. Absolutely. So let's talk about where you are now, which to use your own words is within the magic triangle of information <laughs> technology processes and strategy. What do you mean by that? And why is that the ideal place from which to service your clients? Uh, great question. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, the three aspects um, process IT strategy from, in my opinion, are, are interrelated, interwoven, interdependent. Um, and processes, and we are not talking about administration processes or typical must-have accounting processes, but we are talking about those processes that bring your products, your services, your value to the market and to your customers um, that really make an influence in how you do this. And the question whether you need, uh, for example, just to give an example, a, a direct-to-customer capability and process in your, in your setup is depending on your strategy. Um, the question how you position yourself, if you want to be the quickest, if you want to be the cheapest, if you want to be the one with the most individual, individualized pro uh, products, whatsoever, it, this determines which strengths and which capabilities your processes need to have. So processes are enablers, enablers to facilitate strategy and information technology, systems, data, tech is an enabler to, uh, to design these processes and process capabilities in an efficient way. And this is the kind of interrelationship between these three. You will find many consultants, I wouldn't say most, but really many, with a strong focus on one of these, on these topics. We all know the strategy consultants who produce a lot of PowerPoints, and we know the system integrator knowing the nuts and bolts of a specific technology, but they don't necessarily think in the interdependence of the triangle, but just focus on one of those elements. Right. So it's the, really important to bring all three together to be successful in not only what's happening in today's day and age, but also in that digital transformation. 
Absolutely. And there's one more aspect. It's not just thinking in, 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 in the kind of um, ambiguity of this, of this triangle or interdependence of this triangle. It's all the, also the question of, or do you just want to be um, do you just want to be strong in conceptualizing things or do you want to make it happen? Yeah, and, and my, my sweet spot, um, the, the place where I think we as a company, I personally need to be is thinking in, 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 in terms of this triangle and combining the capability of inventing smart concepts and driving innovation, but also not just putting them on nice PowerPoints. We all know that PowerPoint is very patient, um, but really make it happen, um, getting their hands dirty. And, and get into it. And um, this is uh, which I define as the ideal place. Smart concepts and taking action is my kind of business. I love that. And you have an upcoming book, which I oh, yeah. really want to explore because it's fascinating. <laughs> it's called Tribal F-Ups. Digital. <laughs> I don't know whether I, 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 I'm allowed to use this word here or not. I will do well, once at least. So if we do use the word, I have to mark this episode as explicit. So I, okay, think, then. I think we're going to use F-Ups for now. So tribal F-Ups digital. So firstly, you know, give us an over overview. What's it all about? Who's it for? Yeah, honestly, this is a really crazy idea that I had. Um, but, I love but the anyway. title, by the way. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, it somehow goes back to my intrinsic motivation that I mentioned before, and that triggered me to ra raise hand and raise voice because um, I want to set an impulse because I see the world, the world following a paradigm, and I think we should okay. question this paradigm. I truly think that digitalization and digital transformation is the next industrial revolution. It's not a nice to have. It's 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 not driving some incremental improvement and 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 efficiency. It's going to be disruptive. It's a do it or die type of thing. Yeah? Yeah. But do it does does not necessarily mean do it in a way that it that it sustainably transforms. And yeah. this is where I see the gap. Many corporations are doing, are doing digital transformation programs and spending a hell lot of money on tech and on implementation. Yeah. I always say the crooks of, of the word digital transformation is the word digital. Mm -hmm. Because it puts everything into the IT and technology box. Digital transformation is an IT program. No, it isn't. It's a transformation program with the help of information technology. But it's, yeah. it's, a, it's all about transformation. And technology is just an enabler that allows us to design different ways of working, much more integrated ways of working, much more, let's say, um, compressed ways of working. Um, but what primarily has to change is the process. This right. is where the rubber hits the road. So my process first, technology second message is the kind of core message that I want to send. And it's a bit like, I don't know uh, uh, whether you remember uh, him, uh, Michael Hammer's revolutionary process re-engineering in the 90s. Uh, um, I started my career in the early 90s, so I, I was kind of exposed to this, and it really created a wave of, 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 of process-oriented, process-centric thinking that we unfortunately have left again, and this paradigm needs, needs to be shifted um, again. Hence, the target audience, you ask for the target audience, 
is C-level, C-suites, those ones that give the direction and those ones that need to understand it's not just a let's do it, let's implement the system, here's the money, but it's really get it, get it, get it done rightly in terms of make it transformational so that afterwards the, the processes are really working differently from, from before. Amazing. And I think also thinking about transformation, not just how it can help right now, but really the long-term vision for that transformation and the technology that you're putting into place, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's a journey. It's not yeah. everything at not once. You need to start somewhere. <laughs> and I always say start small and scale, but start but start small, start in a digestible way because um, the, the, the speed, the pace that you can go is not determined by technology, but it's determined by, the, by the, the speed in which the organization, in which the processes, in which the people can be changed and can digest this change. Yeah, because processes are going to be a continuous improvement activity because of how fast the world is changing right now. And since process is something that is really high um, on the um, priority scale for you, um, what made you write the book? Had you done anything like that before? I mean, it must have been quite an intimidating prospect. And what was the process of writing the book like? Yeah. So honestly, bluntly, I haven't done anything like this before, Sarah. And yeah. um, you can believe me that it's truly in an interesting and very unique experience that I'm undergoing now. Yeah. After following my guts and deciding to go for a book without knowing at all what it might mean and uh, what it what it may bring, I took a quite, let's say, unusual decision. Um, and I've chosen a quite unusual path because the first thing that I did uh, was to make my decision public and to start talking about the book. I'm going to write a book. And this yes. was in February. And I started to reach out. And this was, is really an exciting um, um, uh, uh, journey that I, that I made over the last three, four months. I started to reach out to target audience. And had many, many, many fascinating um, uh, conversations already since then, and hopefully more to come. So a great way and opportunity to challenge my thoughts and my ideas and to also get feedback and get a kind of atmospherical picture where digital process transformation stands today and what the pain points and what the concerns are. And right. surprisingly, and this will even have a little spin, not on the content, but on the perspective that I'm taking, I, I, I recognize that adoption is really the big theme, it seems, that, that this is, this is the, con the problem for those ones who already have this problem or the concerns for those ones that are approaching digital transformation. Right. Um, this is, this is what, what, what keeps C-Level, this is one of the topics that, that keeps C-Level awake at night, yeah. how, to, how to really get it adopted. Yeah, and I like the fact that you spoke it into existence. I do the exact same thing. I come up with an idea. <laughs> I speak it into existence. I make it public. I get people who knock on my door and they're like, when is this coming out? When is this coming out? <laughs> and that kind of, you know, really helps me um, dive in. Because sometimes, you know, I'll have the idea and I'll speak it into existence. And sometimes it takes a few months. That's what happened with the Blended podcast. Um, and so I, I love that you took that approach. But let's dive into some of the core themes because they are so relevant to our listeners. I mean, the book 
really covers a lot of the trends we're talking about regularly on the show. So let's let's kick off with uh, digital transformation. I mean, mm-hmm. this has got to be one of the biggest buzzwords of the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. And and you say that this has led to a flurry of excitement around new technologies. And this feeling that tech is the answer to all life's problems. But you don't necessarily agree with that. You say that actually less than 30% of digital transformation initiatives succeed in achieving their objectives. I mean, that is absolutely craziness. Talk to us about this. Open our eyes because it's not a perspective I've heard a lot. And this on the background that it's really the next industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a it's a do it do it correctly or die type of thing. I haven't done the research to be honest. Um, uh, leading to this thirty uh, percent statement that I'm quoting, um, but uh, simply watch out for the respective research that uh, is done by McKinsey, by Boston, by Bain, and by others. But they are all pointing in the same direction. Into interestingly, um, of course, assessing success is a question what you measure yourself against. Right. If you just measure at the let's do it, let's get it done type thing and you implement, you get it up and running technically, uh, the, the kind of user acceptance test tick, tick, tick box is, is, is ticked. Yes, projects might be assessed as more or less successful. Yeah? Um, but if you look at them, do it in a way that it's, sustainably transforms the way how we operate type thing is if this is the threshold most programs really fail Um, it might work technically but the process the people um, the operational workflow doesn't adopt it right and the most obvious symptom is very simple it's the famous local excel spreadsheet that survives (laughs) it's very simple (laughs) easy to detect digital transformation is not limited by technology digital transformation is limited by adoption this is the limiting factor and honestly i know examples where corporations have taken big decisions spent millions and years for technology driven process digitalization with the result that they made a step backwards and that was that there was afterwards more Excel dependent processes and process elements than than before. It's really kind of fascinating, but also kind of frustrating. And I just um, can I jump in there just for oh, one well, second? Course, I do have a question about that because a lot of the other conversations that I'm having as well is because within that digital transformation, they're actually adopting many different systems. So for example, like a warehouse um, manager, maybe or a director of warehouse has to go into several different systems, depending on what data that they're looking for. (laughs) And so they end up falling back to Excel because they're having to extract from many different places. And that's just not (laughs) adoptable either. Yeah, absolutely. So, this is, this is another craziness, which is about end-to-end. There's, there's no system vendor who doesn't kind of relate their solution to an end-to-end type approach, title, whatsoever. Most of them are just end-to-end within a silo, which is in a very functional scope. But the, the true process is much, much broader and typically covers multiple systems. And, and these are breakpoints. But this is, a, this is worth another, another post- podcast by itself. Right. So it's <laughs> 
<laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But so, because I, I bring that up because I think adoption, you use the word adoption, and I think there's a variety of different ways that we can use that particular word, right? Because when you're looking at a technology and a digital transformation, the adoption by your people in general, and then it's the adoption of how we put everything together and make somebody's day-to-day um, -day operations more efficient and, you know, rather than less hard. Because in some respects, sometimes with the digital transformation, it can make things just that much more complicated. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Um, this is where, where where I started to talk about and use this word this word tribal. Um, um, yeah, and we're we're going to talk about that, right? Uh, so let's talk about that right now. So how does that link to what you call as tribal workflows, right? What you've been talking about before? Because I've talked a lot about departments working in silos, the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. That example that I just gave you is just one person's job. I mean, if you think about all of the moving parts within supply chain and all the different departments that need to be part of a digital transformation, but are still somewhat siloed right now is yeah. that what you're talking about with tribal like explain that to us and how it neutralizes digitalization yeah it's of course also an aspect of digitalization because digitalization should really um let's say inti digitally integrate the workflow from a true end-to-end -end perspective but my expression tribal workflows basically is derived from tribal knowledge which is probably a bit more okay. uh, more known so tribal knowledge defined as something not being documented, not being made explicit, yeah. yet very deeply entangled um, in, in, in the organization. Tribal workflows um, basically describe the habitual way of working at the level where, where the process, the real workflow practically takes place. Okay? And by the way, I think that most of the processes are tribal in this way. They are not explicitly defined. Of course, then the managers say, yeah, but we've got a process definition. We've got a process description here. Right. And then they pull out their, their ISO paperwork and, 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 and present the process, which is probably level three or level two, but, but by far not reflective of the, of the real operational work as it, as it, as it takes place. Mm -hmm. So digitalization um, does, not, does not only superficially change the way um, how we are working, the operational way of working, but very fundamentally changes this. It allows visibility across silos. It, it allows to, to um, compress, to collapse steps that, are, that were formerly sequential steps into an integrated one. It allows that multiple, multiple dimensions, for example, um, uh, value, uh, quantity, capacity are handled concurrently and not sequentially anymore. Right. What's needed for, for to really digitally transform in a sustainable way um, is a very detailed understanding of the very detailed workflow at the level where the work takes place. And this is valid for the as-is because this is something that we want to transform into a to-be. But we need to have the understanding of the level where work really takes place. And this typically is missed. It's really hard work. It costs effort. It costs time. It costs money. Yeah. But it's essential. It's absolutely essential. 
Yeah. Absolutely. The most Absolutely. the most digital transformation programs are missing this point. Technology gets thrown at just vaguely defined processes, and this doesn't work. This is waste of of, of time and money. And yeah, and a, capturing capturing that tribal knowledge, which you uh, started off talking about is huge, right? Because we've got a lot of knowledge that is leaving industry right now that we also need to capture. Um, and so what you're doing is really bringing it down to the granular granular level and then building on top of that, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. Because if, if a new workflow, if a really new to be workflow is not brought to life in a way that it can be operated, that is operational for the people who have to execute it, and they are stepping back to their habitual way of working, yeah. um, you may have implemented a new software, but your effect is completely, neut completely neutralized. This is what I, what I, what I, the title uh, kind of states it a bit differently, as we know. But this yeah. is where tribal, let's say, neutralizes digital. I love it. I love it. So actually, technology just isn't the answer, right? Adoption, which is what you've been talking about, is the other half of the puzzle. But, you know, seemingly very few people are working on that, which you've mentioned several times. So what's your advice? How do we work on that adoption piece? Because from what you're saying, it's a big job, right? We have to work on education and changing mindsets before we even get started. So how do we do adoption right? And what's the danger if we don't? It's even worse, Sarah. Um, I wouldn't say it's half of the puzzle. Okay. I call it. Which I call already? it. I call <laughs> it the equation of effective digitalization. Got it. And this equation says effectiveness equals technology enablement times adoption. It's not plus adoption. It's times adoption. So if your adoption rate is zero, you're neutralizing everything. Right. So yeah. what is the value of the most sophisticated digital technology, Gardner Magic Quadrant, I don't know, that gets implemented and the practical process doesn't use it and continues to work the tribal way, the traditional way with their Excel sheets and manual inter interaction. The value is neutralized. Zero. And this is the risk that we are running. As I said before, I know examples where, where, where corporations spend millions and years for technology-driven digitalization programs um, resulting in exactly this step backwards. So you're asking what's needed for adoption. And in your question, I think you mentioned um, education and changing mindset type yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is a good ass assist. Um, what adoption needs much, much more and much, much more than and very different from classical change management is exactly this very detailed, very granular process or workflow work in designing, in, in, in identifying the as is and designing the to be. Classical change management is about tweaking minds, changing mindset, um, um, raising a kind of general understanding for the change that needed communication, blah, 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 blah. It's also important. But this can't compensate the necessary process work. Yeah? Um, the to-be design of these processes, of course, do not only have to be detailed, but they need to consider the fundamentally new opportunities that digital technology offers, um, which is really, 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 really huge. But it needs to be broken down to the level where, where the work flows, in, 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 in fact. Um, and, the and this needs, sorry, this needs, just to make this point, this needs understanding on the C level. 
This yeah. needs more patience on the sea level. And this is where, honestly, education and changing mindset starts because many sea levels see this as a kind of, this is a program, this is a project. We start right. it, we finish it, it's done. We are digitalized. Mm -hmm. And this is where education and mindset, mindset um, starts. And hopefully my book helps with that. <laughs> yeah, because you, like you said earlier, it's a journey and not a destination. This is something that is going to be continual for a company, especially with how fast everything is changing right now. So the pandemic has put an even greater focus on digital transformation and getting it done as fast as possible in time for the next massive disruption. But from everything we've talked about today, we're not necessarily set up to achieve that effectively. So I want to ask you, what do you think the next couple of years is going to hold for the industry? Hmm. Um, I mentioned those conversations that I had with, with, with target group people of my, of my book in, in order to get yeah. their thoughts and, and, and reflections and feedback. And I had the, the opportunity to talk to a, to a chief supply chain officer um, uh, from the life science uh, area. And he said kind of um, that he he's expecting Google and Amazon to be a disruptive distributor in their market, life science, in their market soon. Wow. And they said, or he said, if we if we can't answer their request in seconds, they will simply ping the next competitor. Hmm. This means our entire information chain needs to be completely digitally integrated in a very seamless way. We simply can't afford to have a very prominent, I don't know, end-to-end -end planning system implemented, but the people are still bypassing it and working manually with their Excel sheets. This doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And this hits the nail with respect to, to, to two aspects that I think it kind of addresses. The aspect number one is the disruptive nature of digitalization and how it's going to change the business environment. My prediction is that what we get used to and what we all love in our consumer world, um, let's summarize it as the Amazon way. I think we all know what we, what, <laughs> what's meant with this. This will become reality in the B2B world as well, sooner than we all think. It is, it is something that we are all used to in, the, in, in our consumer world, but it's, it will be natural part of the B2B world. This is what's, what's going to happen. And the aspect number two is, again, describing the importance of adoption and sustainable transformation. Um, the shiny, superficial um, success of digitalization programs reported to the board, yes, everything's fine, is not only a masquerade, it's even dangerous because right. it leads to the belief in a foundation that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So the next step that may happen and is expected to build on a digital foundation is going to is, is be built has to be built on sand and this is not going to work yeah right. so i personally think that that many sea level um people have these concerns these doubts this yeah. peculiar gut feeling but they are of course in a dilemma because their line organization is quite biased because they are all signaling right. signaling green light and everything's fine and we are wonderful mm -hmm. yeah well, and they need a solid foundation. Like you said, right now, um, some of them feel like they're on quicksand and they really need that solid foundation 
and getting people behind that belief, right? Yeah. But let's let's step back from your book and digitalization just for a minute. You're also the CEO at MSE Point Out Group. Tell us a little bit about that because you were recently named a 2022 Gartner Cool Vendor in supply chain technology, which is an awesome achievement. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Farah. And, and thanks for, for bringing this up. Um, and you may may see this in my in my face and in my eyes. We are really proud um, yeah. on this on this recognition um, being named uh, one of, of only four or five cool vendors in supply chain technology globally is is indeed a, a great achievement um, for us and the, the three attributes of Gartner's cool is intriguing innovative and impactful and right. if you are kind of fallen in, in, into this category I think this is a statement a strong statement as, as such so in brief, the, the, the company MSE Point Out and our innovation, which we call the open platform, it's a little piece of technology that, that, that exactly addresses the topic that you just mentioned, the poor warehouse manager who has to log into several systems and, and, right. and copy-paste or even write down on, um, uh, um, on, a, on a sheet of paper in order to enter the number into the next system. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what we are addressing with, with the, what we call the open platform. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and it's it's really truly following this end-to-end -end process. It's really it it's 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 again a kind of, of of different view on the same topic, different than the paradigmatic view. Is the paradigmatic view the classical view is more from a functional sophistication perspective? Mm -hmm. We're taking a horizontal view and really put ourselves into the perspective of the process and the people who have to execute this process and try to link technology into also existing technology, not, not making a clean sweep and throwing everything away, but right. really linking existing technology into, into workflows and into, into processes. Yeah, and um, turning, turning what you're talking about in the book into a reality for a lot of different companies. Absolutely, because this is, as you said before, uh, making great concepts, but also getting it done. This is the important thing. So I love uh, that. You're doing, you're doing important work there as well, not only in your book, but also in your corporation as well. So finally, <laughs> I so. then, I mean, I don't want this conversation to end, but we have to end somewhere. What does the future hold for you? Do you have another book in the pipeline? What can we expect from you? Um, no, I don't. Uh, not okay. yet. Um, but but allow me, um, Sarah, to revert with a, with a, with a, with a quick uh, um, question first. Um, in one of your questions, um, I think you said uh, that this kind of process first, technology second theme and this, this focus on digital adoption is not a perspective that you've heard a lot of. Um, so you're a very supply chain experienced person. You have exposure to the, the entire breadth of supply chain topics and supply chain community. How does this resonate with you? Does it make sense? Do you think digital adoption may become a hot topic? Yeah, I absolutely think that if it's not now, it absolutely should. I mean, at the end of the day, I think a lot of supply chain professionals are really navigating, a lot of the C-suite, the supply chain professionals are really navigating this technology landscape. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, choice out there. 
Um, and I think one of the things that uh, we need to put an emphasis on is bringing a technology person onto our team that really understands the different aspects of not only what's happening within their supply chain teams as far as technology and digital transformation, but across the whole company. And I think the frustration at the moment is that everybody is still working in silos and they need more of a way to come together. But from what you're talking about today, taking it back to the granular level, looking at each person and each role that they're playing, what is it that you need to capture from that particular role and that particular person, I think is a huge move and can turn digital transformation really on its head because not only do we have to make sure that our data house is in order from a technology perspective, we also need to capture the data that is not oh, yeah. captured in technology right <laughs> yeah. now. Data is also worth another podcast, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to your question. Thanks. Uh, great, great, great reply. Um, I, I also truly think that it's it's going to become a, a hot topic and it has to, it has to because it's, it's really crucially important. Um, I don't have another book in the in the pipeline. I first of all want to exhaust my passion for this uh, digital adoption topic, yeah. um, uh, and this is pretty big. Um, I have a I've recently seen a post with a, with a photo um, of a billboard that said, um, "Whatever you do today, do it with the confidence of a four year old in a Batman t shirt." And this is, <laughs> <laughs> <I love it. laughs> and this is how I address this topic with all my passion and all my my experience. I'm really looking forward to get even more input, viewpoints, um, feedbacks into the book um, that will be out then um, uh, late summer. And uh, would be delighted if some of uh, our listeners today um, may want to to have a chat, to exchange thoughts, to also share probably their experience on these topics. And uh, feel free to shoot me uh, an email on uh, on contact contact at klausimping.com. More than happy to uh, to have those uh, those discussions and to incorporate the ideas or the the thoughts and uh, the perspectives into the book. Great, and connect with you on LinkedIn as well. I mean, I don't want to close out this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I talk a lot about technology on the show and the potential that new innovations have to transform a historically dated industry. And that still lives very much in the world of pen and paper and Excel. But you have really made me think today, Klaus, and brought such a fresh perspective into this area. Thank Throwing you. budget at a new tech and expecting it to <laughs> magically solve all your legacy issues and your siloed ways of working just really isn't going to happen, right? So for business process transformation, adoption really is key. And it's something that every single listener should take back to their business today and take a second look at whether or not they're actually doing that successfully. If you want to find out more or pre-order Klaus's book, Tribal F-Ups Digital, you can check out Klaus Imping, K-L-A-U-S-I-M-P-I-N-G dot com. A massive thanks to Klaus for joining me and helping me make me. this episode happen. Thanks so much. Thanks for having the opportunity to, to, to talk, to uh, discuss about, uh, about these topics, these ideas. It was a fantastic uh, discussion and uh, looking forward to any kind of, uh, of follow-up. We have detected so much points that we could follow up on. Thank you so much for today, Sarah. 
What are your business's supply chain challenges? Too much inventory on hand? Too many disruptions and stockouts? Are there too many steps and touches involved? If you have a vision for improvement, Fastenal can tailor a solution to help you get there. From automated bins that monitor your inventory 24-7 to vending devices that let you control and track the products that keep your business running, Fastenal has the ability and experience to help your supply chain. Go to Fastenal.com forward slash LTSC to see how they do it. Fastenal, where industry meets innovation. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more podcasts, live shows, so much amazing content featuring the best and brightest in the industry. So you can either head over to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, or our website, letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. And if you use the search bar on our website and you're having a supply chain challenge, you might want to use that search bar because we have most likely had the solution to your challenge on the show. So make sure to use that tool because you never know who is out there that can really help you with the challenges that you're having. And remember to come back next week for this one's episode of Blended when we'll be talking all about retaining diverse talent in the workplace. We'll be taking a closer look at the current landscape in supply chain when it comes to talent, the barriers to hiring, the benefits of ensuring you achieve true diversity in your workplace and exactly how you achieve it. It's going to be packed full of insight. Plus, we've got an amazing, another amazing episode from Let's Talk Supply Chain coming at you next week as well. If you enjoy our show, there are a few ways to support us. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe to our newsletter along with thousands of other supply chain professionals at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. Next, visit ships.com, S-H-I-P-Z.com and sign up because they are in full beta. And if you are a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide, and utilize the best data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on their platform. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. We have t-shirts, hashtag supply chain issues, hashtag ship happens, supply chain geeks. We've also got keep con, calm and supply chain on. So definitely go and check that out. And if, if you want our um, dictionary for free, you can go to Let's Talk Supply Chain on Instagram and DM us talk one. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.